Thank you so much. So uh, I'm not a proper Englishman, so <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best. No, thank you. I really feel love this morning. So, uh, no, I, I have to start with the story. So we went to the Pulse evening for the youth on Friday night. And on our way back, we had, I had a few teenagers driving with me back. And one of the teenagers goes, oh, man, I've got this pet snail. Snail, like a snail, pet snail. A slug, man, that's a slug. A tain slug, yeah. And he, I see, oh, man. So he said, no, he held the snail in his hand and he just felt like a little nibble on his hand. He said, no, the snail bit him. I go like, no, man, are you sure? He said, no, yeah, you can show the scar and everything. I go like, no, man, it's not true. But in any case, so it's in the dark. I didn't stop to look and see the damage and, and the blood everywhere. So the next morning, I actually Googled. I said, is it possible for snail to bite a human being? And vrachis. They've got like thousands of teeth, and it makes sense because our plants, you see all the nibble marks when the, so obviously they have teeth. I'm like, no, you know what? But Google doesn't say that you will bleed to death or something like that when you get bitten by a snail. So my imaginary mind just goes on saying, just imagine the headlines. <laughs> Teen, teenage boy attacked by a snail, his pet snail. <laughs> the next headline, the next morning, snail activists ask parents to remove all salt from the kitchen. So it's just my mind. But, but because we live in like a world where stuff like this happens, or maybe the next headline, this is even worse, Snail identifies as a UFC fighter <laughs> and fights back kind of thing. So, okay, that's just me. I just want to... <laughs> so, it's just funny for me how we can just take stuff and in this world, current age, where things just get out of proportion and we live in a dark world, eh? Really a dark world. So thank you, Mike and Johan. We love Johan. So the thing my, my wife always have to tell me, stop picking on Johan. <laughs> because I, I'm, I just love him. And because our kids grew up together. And we, we're like family. So we were in another church before we joined Josh Chen. So that's what, almost 14 years ago, 14, 15 years ago. So th that's, uh, four no, 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 it's not that, 12 years ago. So we know them for a long time. So we are here, me and my wife, Red, that's there. My eldest boy, 17 years old, Ethan, he's a lot taller than me. I don't know where he got his genes from. And then Jaden and Mila and then little Olivia, that's there. And the other guy that's singing around, floating around, 
Mornay, also from Somerset West, he's a full-time elder with us. So he's not, he's part of the family, but he's not blood family. So he's really... Okay, okay, okay. And he's married, so he can't even marry into the family. Now, so this morning, I want to almost get us back to basics. And I'm going to speak a little bit about light. And we find ourselves in a time where there's a lot of darkness out there. Really, we, we live in an age where yeah, people go after a lot of different stuff. And it's a desperate situation out there. And I guess more so in first world countries than in South Africa. And I told somebody else yesterday, I said, I'd rather take load shedding than what's going on in Europe and Australia and those places. I, I'm fine with load shedding. It sounds bad, but I'll rather take that than all the stuff that's going on that side. So, but we need to be the salt and the light at the end. And we sang a song this morning that said, your gospel, O Lord, is the hope for our nation. Isn't that true? That the gospel that we have is the hope for our nation. And it's so amazing, the gratitude of people when you guys shared, I, I mean, one of the things is that we gave thanks for God, we give thanks to God for what He has done for us. That was one of the prayers that you guys prayed. And that we are filled with gratitude. Uh, no, so, for me, I say we are so filled with gratitude. But part of my preach is sometimes we tend to keep that for ourselves. And I say, we're so, thank you, Lord, for your light that shines in my life, but it's actually not just for me. The light is there to liberate and to save and to shine a light on areas of our lives that's not in line with God's word. That's, the, that's what we need to do, and we need to shine that through. So, I want to, yeah, maybe if you can put up Isaiah 60. So just a backdrop of Isaiah 60. So Isaiah 59 is Israel is in a desperate state. It's really in darkness. There's like chaos. And Isaiah is prophesying in Isaiah 59 all the bad stuff. And then we read this, this very nice piece of scripture. And a lot of people quote the, this. But I, I really, I'm, I'm going to try and unpack this this morning. So Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And we see how the glory of God so we go like, every time, or a lot of times, we pray, God, show me your glory. And then His glory comes, but the result of God's glory should be us shining our light. And not just holding it for ourselves, keeping it for ourselves. So the title of my message this morning is, A Church Not to Cast a Shadow. 
and I'll, I'll get later on to that scripture where it says in Matthew 5, the salt and light of the earth. So if we can go back to Isaiah 59. So in Isaiah 59, there's words like works of iniquity, deeds of violence, people running to evil, desolation and destruction, that there's no justice. So Israel is like in this bad space. It's almost like in the middle center of town, Cape Town, wherever, or Hillbrow in Johannesburg, and it's just bad, darkness. And there's no hope at all. And then we get to Isaiah 59, verse 21. Did I give you that scripture? Isaiah 59, verse 1. It says, and as for me, and this is, so we see the bad stuff, and then God comes and it's almost a path of repentance and salvation coming in again. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. And then we go to Isaiah 60. And Isaiah 60 is this picture of salvation and redemption and where people are returning. And we see even in, later on in Isaiah 60 where it says that mothers with, with their daughters on the hips and people just returning, property being restored. And at, in the past, or maybe other churches, might use that more in a prosperity kind of way. But they forget that it's because of God's glory. And the light that is shining. And the purpose for the light that's shining. The purpose for the of the glory of God is for redemption and salvation. And to bring hope in a desperate situation. But we can't keep that for ourselves. There's a lot of lost people out there that, that can't see the light. They can't experience the, experience the light. And we go and say, Lord, show me your glory. Why? So that I can have nice goosebumps or that I can have the healing just for myself or for, my, for what's going on in church. No. It is so that God's glory can shine in a dark world and change our situation. I'm not saying that everything's just going to be all right from now on. It's for eternity. We're looking into eternity and say, we need to get people saved out of darkness, into the light. That's why we have the glory of God. So next time if we pray and say, God, show me your glory. Why? Is it for me and my household? Yeah, that's fine. But it's so that my light can shine into the darkness. Mark 5 Sorry, Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. And it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under, under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, our light is not for ourselves. Our saltiness is not for ourselves. It's so that God can get the glory, so that we can point to God. It's not for ourselves. And I think in the past, and still now there's a lot of churches that cast a shadow. They keep it for them, themselves. And they want to keep it, okay, well, somebody can join our congregation and then we're holy idol again. And we, let's just keep it for us. Because we don't know how long it's going to be here. But we need to be transparent. And we need to let God's glory and His light shine through us to touch the world around us. And how do we do that? Because sometimes after what, uh, Jonathan Conrad, we go, okay, but I'm not that kind of evangelist to go and preach to the nations and get a lot of people saved. But it's in our community, in our town, in a mall, in a shopping center, with your family, your friends. That's where you can shine our light. Romans 15 verse 1 and 2 is one of my favorite scriptures that says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So we have that obligation to, do, to help them. I just love the Bible because there's these stories in the Bible where if, you, if you're not careful, you might miss it. And I've missed this specific story. So we all know the story of Nehemiah, right? And we go, Nehemiah, great leadership. He rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Amazing, amazing guy. So a little bit of a history on that. So we're not going to read through the whole portion. The, the reason why I'm sharing this is to show you of one act where somebody shined their light, how that influenced history out of the Bible. So here's Nehemiah. And please forgive me if I go Nehemiah because I'm Afrikaans. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, or a tongue twister. He's a tongue twister. So, he's a servant in the palace for a king called Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes. Very important to understand. Artaxerxes is the king. Nehemiah goes to the king and says, I want to go and help the guys rebuild Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem. And the king goes, yeah, it's fine. Um, and Nehemiah asks, okay, I want a letter from you to, to have safe travels to Israel. But not only that, I want also a letter so that I can use your wood. I can take the wood from your forest and use that to rebuild the, the, the walls in Jerusalem. And not only that, the king also sends him some of his guards to go and help him. And maybe it's just me, but I go like, hmm, was there like an underhand or 
how did he get the king's arm to twist his arm to do that? Because that's not normal for a king just to go to tell the servant, okay, you go, I give you guys to protect you, I give you letters for safe travel, and you can take my resources to build a wall. Who agrees with me? That's, that just does not make sense. So God can do anything, but that just does not make sense. So remember, the king's name is Artaxerxes. But now in the Bible, if we read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we go like, okay, we read Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus, and through the Bible like that, we sometimes miss these things. Because in the Bible, you have Nehemiah, and then you have Esther. Now, the story of Esther is interesting. So, Esther, we know the whole story of Esther, and it's an amazing story. She was married to a king called Osiris, or something like that. Osiris. She was married to that king. Sorry? A serious bloke. So, so, a serious bloke. So, she was married to this king. And we know the story of where Mordecai, Mordecai, uh, uncle, comes to her and says, okay, I've heard about this plot of a guy called Haman that wants to kill all the Jews in, in the area there. And he sends a message to Esther and asks her, just go to the king and ask him to, to get this whole thing squashed. And Esther goes back and says, uh, it's not that easy because I have to go before the king. And if I'm not invited, then the king will kill me. So we all know that story. So she sends that message back to Mordecai. And then Mordecai sends her message back. And I actually want to read this. So I did not send it to you. And that is in Esther 4, verse 13. So I'm, I'm just quickly going to read that. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And then this is the part, everybody loves to quote that. And it says... And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So Mordecai says that to Esther. And then Esther replies, okay, I'm going to do that even if it means that I will perish. And we know that what happened. Actually, that whole thing was turned around and the Jews were saved and everybody lived happily ever after. But here's the thing. So the king's name, Osiris, was the name that the Hebrews gave him. His actual name was Xerxes. So Xerxes had three sons. Oldest son, Darius the Mede, that we read of in Daniel. And the third son was Artaxerxes, the king of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. So, imagine this. Some scholars say that Artaxerxes 
is the son of Esther. So now it makes sense that Artaxerxes, the king, grew up in the palace where Esther shined her light and said, save the Jews. Small act, huge impact, impact in history. And sometimes we go, okay, but what I'm doing right now, I can't see the fruit of what I'm doing now. I can't see the fruit of why should I carry on shining my light to my neighbor and be understanding to my neighbor. And we, can't, we, we don't see that in our lifetime. But it will, might have a huge impact, impact in the end. So it's an amazing story if we read it like that, because one act changed history for Israel. So, uh, and again, going back to Isaiah 60, where it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And the other place is where Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. So that's in Exodus 18, verse 18 to 19. And Moses said, please, oh, sorry, I didn't give it to you. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and so show mercy to whom I will show mercy. God's glory is to manifest and show God's mercy and His grace to the people around us. If we so if we ask for God's glory and then His light is there so that people can see that God is gracious, that people will see that He's merciful. You see, we go around and say the people are lost in a dying world. But those lost people, they're not anti-church or anti-God. They just don't know God for who He really is. We as a church need to shine God's light so that they can experience God and experience His grace and experience His mercy in the true form, the most purest form. That's why currently we say, let's go back to basics. Just to tell people who God really is. And most lost people don't even know that they need God. They don't even see the church as the answer. They need an answer, but they don't know that that's the answer that they need. And they run around after other things. But they need God. They need to see God's grace. We need to shine our lights. And when we pray and say, God, just come and move in our midst. Why, Lord, do you want? Why do we want him to come and move? Is it just for us to experience him again? Or is it a desire, God, come and move so that my light can shine brighter, so that people that's lost can come back to you? Is that the reason why? Is, so maybe we must just go and reevaluate our prayers. When we why do we desire God? Is it just for ourselves? And I, I truly believe that in the past, 
churches were so selfish that they wanted it for, for themselves and that they actually casted a shadow and people felt condemned and convicted and not convicted, condemned and judged by the church and not loved at all by the church. Whereas when God's glory truly comes, His light will shine on those people and they'll get saved. Very interesting, in 1970, they did a survey at a Bible school. I think it was in England they did the survey. And they asked certain questions to all the students. And it came back that almost 100% of the students would rather be a passerby than a good Samaritan. Wanted to go to Bible school to learn from God, but not learn how to reflect God to a lost world. We need to get back to basics. Why are we here? We are here to truly shine the light of God, to truly be the salt and the light of this earth, so that God's glory can be man manifested through us. And like Esther, not have an excuse, because we might go, yeah, but um, I'm not sure whether I should go and speak to those people, I'm not sure whether I should reach. That's a bit of an awkward person. Maybe I'm not going to go and speak to that person. But what if you are there for a time perfectly suited for God to do something in that person's life? And we, are so, we spoke about it yesterday again. We are so busy sometimes with the things of church and life and kids and work that we don't have time to really show and shine God's light. So my call this morning is let's go back and get back to basics and get to a place again where when we desire God and when we want His glory and when we pray, God, come and, come and touch us again afresh, that we check our motives. Is it for us a selfish desire so that we can have a nice experience or is it really to reach out to the lost? John 1 from verse 4 It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. We live in a world where people don't know Jesus. And we are there to witness about Jesus, the light. So this morning, I want to challenge myself. I want us almost to do surgery of our own heart. 
and check our motives. Do we really desire God for ourselves? Or do we desire God for dying in a lost world? Because that's why we are here. It's for eternity. We're looking into eternity. And we need to let our lights shine. Sorry, not our lights. Let God's light shine through us and reflect His light to a dying and a lost world. So, yeah. Yeah, let's maybe close our eyes. Yes, Lord, this morning we just thank you for the knowledge that you are the light that shines in the darkness and that, that we are lost without you. Lord, we are lost without you. Lord, and we just come and we repent of sometimes being so selfish and self-centered Lord, that we just want you for ourselves and not want to share it with the people around us. So, Lord, we pray that you just come and you do a work in our hearts this morning, that you just come and touch our hearts. And, Lord, that, that we can pray like David pray, prayed and say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that offends you, just come and point that out to me. Lord, that you will come and do the work Lord, because we want to reflect you to the world, to a dying world, Lord. Lord, that we will never be a passerby, but let, let we be the person that stops to help those in need, those that need Jesus in their life. Lord, that you will manifest your glory through us to touch the lives of those around us. So, Lord, we pray that you just have your way. So this morning, I, 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 no, you can just keep your eyes closed. I, I want to I ask you, just in this time, just... Evaluate your motives. Evaluate your how you see church and how you see how you can shine your light. Just for a while, just evaluate that. 